for that special and the kids uh, and kids you are dismissed for children's church and uh, appreciate that uh, this uh, this Easter morning and a special morning it is finished wow what a what a song what a statement and um, you know what it means to be finished right it means to be done it means to be complete and uh, love the fact that Jesus cried seven things from the cross. And obviously, they're all important, but uh, I'm thankful uh, for uh, that seemingly small statement. Uh, three words, it is finished. And uh, thankful for that this morning. And uh, thankful for the meaning of Easter. And, um, you know, knowing that it's finished... And by the way, when Jesus died on the cross and He was buried and He rose again, the Bible says that He went to the right hand of the Father and uh, tells us a lot of things uh, when it comes to uh, that statement that it is finished. Uh, uh, First of all, the right hand was always the hand of authority. It was the side of authority. And so that tells us uh, that Jesus had the authority uh, to cry, it is finished. And, uh, and then, uh, I love what else he did uh, when he went to the right hand of the Father. He sat down. And, uh, you know, I think everything in the Bible is significant. I think everything in the Bible is, uh, has a purpose. And um, what does it mean to sit down? It means that you're done. It means that you're finished. Um, I I go home, and when I go home, I find things I need to do, and I get this done, and I get that done. And uh, uh, but but when I sit down, I'm done. The only the only reason I want to get up is two reasons: one, get my food, eat my supper, and go to bed. Uh, I like to do everything until the last, and then I sit down and I'm finished. You ever go outside and uh, work in the yard? And uh, I don't know, you have to mow or uh, trim the bushes or whatever you got to do, a, a weed and all the stuff that you got to do outside. And boy, you just get tired. You come back in the house and, and what do you do? You get on the treadmill and you, you know, you run for a while. No, no, you come back in and you, you take a shower and you sit down because you're done. You're finished. And Jesus Christ, when he said it is finished, he did not mean that it's mostly done. He did not mean that uh, I've I've done my part now. You work real hard and do your part, and then it'll be finished. No, no, no. Jesus Christ, when he died upon that cross, uh, and when he cried it was finished, uh, he meant exactly what he said. It is finished. And so, praise the Lord. What a great song, and um, uh, appreciate that uh, this morning. Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. And uh, we're going to look at several verses here uh, in uh, Acts chapter number 1. Look look with me in verse number 1. The former treaty have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also... He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, 
being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, what uh, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? I want you to understand the, the context here uh, of, of Acts chapter number 1. You've got to remember that Jesus had, uh, in the gospel accounts, Jesus had uh, uh, con- uh, performed his earthly ministry. So he uh, lived his life, and he and he preached, and he performed miracles, and and all the things that he did uh, throughout the gospels. Really, the gospel accounts, if you would, would be a an autobiography of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we get into the Book of Acts, and the Book of Acts is uh, uh, really the 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 book of. Uh, 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 beginnings, kind of like uh, Genesis is the book of beginnings uh, in the Old Testament, in the beginning of beginnings, obviously, of our world. Acts is the beginning of the early church. Uh, and so the early church uh, is established. I believe the early church was established by Jesus Christ. And Jesus establishes his early church and, and just to his church. And just before he goes, he leaves some instructions. Now, I want you to know that the apostles and the disciples were confused. There's no doubt about it. And uh, they didn't have it all together. Uh, They didn't have all the answers. Sometimes I think we think we have all the answers, but you have to understand something about the disciples. They did not yet have the completed revelation of God. You see, we have that which is perfect, because that which is perfect has come. That which is complete, that which is done. We have Genesis through Revelation. We have the completed revelation of God. So we have the uh, we have the benefit of uh, of seeing. Uh, the past, of seeing some of the future of what God tells us. Uh, The disciples had right then. The disciples had Jesus, uh, whom they followed. You remember, uh, as Jesus went through, He often uh, called these men. uh, Some of them were fishermen. One of them was a tax collector. One of them was a physician. And, and, And Jesus went by and called them to follow Him. They dropped all that they had and followed Jesus. Now, I don't know that we completely and completely wrap our brains around that. You see, we follow Jesus, but we really haven't left everything to follow him. And what you know is these disciples they so they so followed the Lord that uh, uh, Peter and Andrew and, and the fishermen, they left their nets, uh, they left their fishing. I want you to know something, their fishing wasn't a hobby. Okay, Their fishing was their livelihood. It was their work. It was what they did. I want you to know they also not only left their livelihood, but they left their families. I mean, they had families and they left on these long journeys, some of them over ground, some of them over uh, the sea. 
and follow Jesus. Why? Because they knew and understood that He was the Messiah. But I want you to know something that they really were confused about. They understood that a kingdom was coming. And I want you to know something. There is a kingdom coming. It's not a kingdom that you bring in or that I'll bring in or that the church will bring in. We're not bringing in a kingdom. Matter of fact, the Bible says things are waxing worse and worse. They're not getting better and better. I don't think you need a theology degree to figure that out, right? Just turn on the, turn on the news or pick up a newspaper or uh, uh, you know, turn on your telephone. I mean, you, I don't know about you, but if you have a smartphone, you get news even if you don't want it. I mean, they send you, send you news all the time, and I'll read the headline. I barely ever read it. And what is it? It's bad news all the time. You're not bringing in a kingdom. If a kingdom's coming, Jesus is bringing in the kingdom. And that kingdom's coming. That is a millennial kingdom that's happening in the future. But here these disciples were thinking, okay, here's Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's come. He's come to deliver us. But watch this spiritually, but also physically. He's going to deliver us from Rome. He's going to deliver us uh, from this persecution that we're, that we're in right now. And uh, we see that here as uh, they, they make this statement, uh, are, are you coming? Are you bringing in this kingdom? That's what they're talking about. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. By the way, Unless you're a Jew, you better be glad that they didn't receive him because that's when the Gentiles were grafted in. Thank God for that. Thank God that now God's purpose in the beginning we understand, but the, the, the disciples didn't quite understand it. I'll look at verse 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and in Samaria, and in the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now the disciples had witnessed some things now. I can tell you, they witnessed some things. Can you imagine uh, being privy to or, or being a part of uh, uh, Jesus uh, uh, restoring sight to a blind man? Can you uh, imagine being there and, and seeing the, uh, uh, the, the woman with the issue of blood without Jesus ever touching her? She's healed. What no doctor could ever do, Jesus did without even touching the woman. Can you imagine being there as, as Jesus spoke the words and, and, and deaf could hear and the dumb could speak? Can you imagine with me just for a second? Jesus comes and He sees Mary and Martha and He meets Mary and Martha and has the entire discussion. Remember that discussion about the resurrection? Don't you believe in the resurrection? And Mary said, I believe, Lord. I believe in the resurrection. What did Jesus say? I am the resurrection. And then he goes down and, and goes to Lazarus' tomb. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? 
absolutely would have loved to have been there. When he says to them, roll the stone away. I think, I think Martha was a little bit like Peter, and she, she was the one who always speak up. She says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Lord. If we roll stone away, he's been dead four days. It, it, it's not going to be pretty. He said, roll the stone away. And then what does he do? He calls Lazarus, who is dead, by the way. He wasn't sleeping. He was dead. And Jesus raised him from the dead. They saw all these things. Can you picture their face when Jesus walks from the stern of the boat to the, to the bow of the boat and says those three words, peace be still? And the, and the sea is calm. And it's no longer storming, it's no longer raining, the wind's no longer blowing, and it's like glass. Matter of fact, the scripture says they were astonished that even the wind and the sea would obey him. So, would you agree with me? They saw some doozies of some things. I mean, they saw one miracle after another after another. And here they are standing, speaking to Jesus. And after Jesus speaks his last, he's gone. I don't care how much you saw. I don't care how much you're privy to. But when you're standing there talking to somebody, and the next minute they're gone, can you imagine their faces? They have an imagination at all. I, I just have this vivid imagination of them just staring. Eyes glossed over. Absolutely astonished at the events that are unfolding before them. I don't know how long they were standing there. I don't know how long they were looking up. But you see in verse 10 of our, our text, it says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as they went out, behold... Two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So they're standing there, amazed at what they're beholding, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at this passage, as we look at other passages in the Word of God, we see the facts of the resurrection. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't something just a group of people made up. These are actual events that happened. And Jesus Christ, who in the gospel accounts we see perform all these things, we know something for a fact. That Jesus, everything He did and everything He does is with purpose. You see... This morning, we understand that Jesus rose. We celebrate that on Easter. It's unfortunate that we only celebrate it on Easter. We should be celebrating it every day that Jesus rose again. It is our hope. 
I want you to know this morning that if Jesus Christ did not rise, you have no hope. You have no hope of a resurrection. You see, there was a discussion back in two of some of the religious crowd that didn't even believe in the resurrection, and, and Paul set him straight. Set him straight with the, with the simple terminology that if Jesus Christ did not rise, then we will not rise. You see, we're living in a, a messed up world. It really is. I mean, look around you. I mean, the things that are going on, the things that are occurring in our world today would make our forefathers roll over in their grave. I mean, the sin that is run rampant in our world today, once upon a time, would bring a red blush to our face. We've gotten used to it. We've gotten inoculated to it. And these things, they happen and they, and they happen over and over and over again. And, and if you look around in this world, I'm telling you one thing that's universally true. There's no hope in this world. Not when it comes to the world. You know why? Because there's no hope in sin. There, there's, there's, no, there's no hope in... And, I, and can I say this? And I say it as kindly as I can. And I say it as, as careful as I can. It, honestly, when it comes to your eternal hope, it, it doesn't matter who's in politics. Now, does it affect our world? Sure it does. Of course it does. Does it affect the, the way we live uh, down here financially and other ways? Sure it does. But when it comes to eternity, Jesus is the answer. But let's be clear. Jesus is the only answer. There are not multiple answers or multiple ways. There's but one answer, and Jesus is the answer. You take Jesus out of the equation, you have no more answer. So he came, and he came with a, he came with a purpose. He did perform miracles, and, and he did preach. And matter of fact, he was the greatest preacher to ever walk this earth. He was the greatest teacher to ever walk this earth. He was certainly the greatest miracle worker to ever walk this earth. But I want you to know something. All those things are secondary. They're secondary. Jesus came for a purpose. He came for a reason. What was that purpose? It was to seek and to save that which was lost. That was His purpose. You know what God's desire is? You ever thought about that? You ever scratch your head sometimes and wonder, what does God think? Now, with your finite mind, you're never going to fully grasp what God thinks, okay? None of us are. But you know, God sometimes reveals in His Word His desires, His will what He wants, and we get a little glimpse of how God thinks. And let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that God's desire is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's desire. That's how much God loves you. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean. Unfortunately, that does not mean everybody's going to be saved. 
That's not what that means. What it does mean is that God loves every person. Man, woman, boy, girl, black, white, I don't care who it is, God loves people. And He loves people more than anything. The kids uh, uh, quoted John 3.16, For God so loved the world. That's not this orb that we're spinning on. That's not what he's talking about. It doesn't mean that God loves the Grand Canyon. Well, I don't know if God loves it. I mean, he made it, so I guess he loves it. I'm talking about, I'm saying, when he's talking about John 3.16, he's talking about people. Right? He's talking about you. He's talking about me. I love the verse in the Scripture that often gets overlooked, but that God is no respecter of persons. Do you know what that means? That means God doesn't love you more than He loves me. And He doesn't love me more than He loves the next person. God loves people. And God's purpose, His ultimate goal, is that others might be reconciled back to God. I wish I could snap my fingers. Or I wish I could say some magic words. Or, or, or wave a magic wand and that everybody would be saved. I imagine any, any preacher would want to do that. I wish I could eradicate hell. I wish I could say there's only one place, and that place is to be with God forever in heaven. Can I tell you, that's God's desire. God never created hell for human beings to go there. God created hell for the devil and his angels. And then God made a way that you never have to spend one moment there. Isn't it interesting that here in this life, however long it is, and I want you to know something about death, death is no respecter of age. People die at all ages. I'm not trying to be morbid, I'm just telling you the truth. We don't know if we're going to live to be 100. No, some of us don't want to live to be 100. We have no idea how long we're going to be here, but as long as we're here, God wants our life to be filled with purpose, with reason. Why are you here? What are you doing here? So God made a way that you and I can be reconciled back to Him. For the Christian, for the born-again child of God, this is as bad as it's ever going to get in their life. What happens in this world? Now, you know as well as I do, for some it's tougher than others. For some it's harder than others. Some people have more pain physically in this world. Some people have more pain emotionally in this world. Some people have a combination of them in this world. But I want you to know, for the Christian, this is as bad as it gets. But it's a very sad day when we have to think about the fact that for the non-Christian, this is as good as it gets. 
I mean, think about it with me for just a second. If you're, if you're saved and know Christ as your Savior, what are you doing? You're looking ahead. Well, I hope you are. Sometimes I think what we do is we get our, we get our, we get our tent stakes too deep in this world. The old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. You see, the angels that talked to the disciples as they were watching Jesus uh, uh, go uh, up to heaven said, listen, why are you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus you're seeing going up is the same Jesus that's coming back. You know what the angel's point was? It was twofold. Number one, it was that Jesus is coming again. He came once and now he'll be coming again and then we'll talk about the kingdom. But I want you to know the second thing that's implied in that verse, and that's the implication that why are you staring? Why are you gazing? Why are you doing nothing? Go do what God told you to do. Now, what did God tell him to go do? You see, we have it confused, don't we? We think, at this point, we say, okay, what did he, what did he tell him to do? He told him to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. No, he did not. You know what he told him to do? Go and wait. Go and wait. Matter of fact, if you continue to read in Acts chapter number 1, this is where you get to the upper room. And they go to the upper room, and, and what do they go to the upper room for? For one reason. For one reason. Holy Spirit power. Because Jesus knew and Jesus understood they couldn't do the things that He's calling them to do, the purpose for their life, without the Holy Spirit. And see, when you get saved, and when you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have an upper room experience. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Now there it is, preacher. You saw it. It's right there in the Scriptures. And they went out and spoke in tongues. I agree. They did speak in tongues, but not the tongues that we think about today, but they went out and spoke and people heard in their language. It was an amazing thing. You know why it was an amazing thing? Because God was doing it. Do you know when Moses came out and he, and he took his people out and God set them free and they, and they come and they were between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea? You remember that incident? Do you remember the the fabulous incident that the, the Red Sea parted. And the Bible says that they walked over on dry ground. The first thing that we think is, wow, Moses was something. Moses was just an instrument. You see these fabulous things that God does. God does those. He just chooses to use people to do them. And so God has got us here. I believe just like Esther, He's got us here for such a time as this. We're living in unprecedented days. Let me tell you something. Did you read history? I love reading history. I love reading biographies, and I love to read about revival movements and stuff like that. I just love to read that kind of stuff. You want to know something that's universally true when you read those histories? They were living in unprecedented times. Always. We're always living in unprecedented times. It seems like the, the, this has never happened, and this has never happened, and this has never happened, and we just keep moving forward and moving forward and moving forward. 
But every time, every circumstance, every situation, God's got a remnant. God's got a people that He has a purpose for. That they might serve Him, that they might honor Him with whatever life that they have. God has a purpose. You remember when he died, they took him off the cross and, and they took him, uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, Joseph of Arimathea uh, had a tomb and Jesus just needed to borrow it, praise the Lord. And, and then on that third day, he rose again. Once you know the disciples might have been surprised, but God's not surprised. Because God's had a plan and he's always had a plan. He's had a plan in his own life, and he's got a plan for your life as well. Everything God has done, everything God is doing, and everything God will one day do is for a purpose. It's for a reason. Sometimes you see that reason immediately. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, God answers a prayer or you do something and autom- you know, automatically you see it. Sometimes you have to wait a little while. And sometimes you never see it, this side of eternity. Sometimes those are hard, aren't they? You ever feel like you're spinning your wheels? You ever feel like you're stuck in the mud? We had somebody stuck in the mud at Wee Ones in, in, uh, this last season and it was it was wet, and they were out in the middle of the out in the middle of the field, and and uh, where we have wee ones, and and uh, this lady she she hit her hit her gas, and she started going down. Well, I, I come running out, and said, "Stop pushing the gas! You're not going anywhere but down." She must have been. I mean, she was driving a Denali. She must have been like that deep in the mud. She thought, if I just hit the gas a little bit harder, I can, I can clear this mud. But if you've ever been stuck in the mud, you know that ain't right. I know nothing, zero, about uh, autom- automobiles. But I know this much, if you keep spinning your wheels, you're going to keep sinking in the mud. And so many people today, we just keep getting stuck in the mud and spitting our wheels. You ever felt that way? I love uh, uh, Vance Havner. Vance Havner, one of my uh, uh, one of my heroes of the faith. I just he had so many really cool quips, and and uh, was just a great preacher, old Southern Baptist preacher. And he made this statement: God writes across to your lives on some things. We'll explain later. We'll explain later. I don't, I don't have all the answers. Matter of fact, I have people that ask me questions all the time that I don't have the answer to. I think they stay at home and really come up with something really, really hard. Nobody ever asks the preacher easy questions, right? I always ask them hard questions. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we can look and find the answer. But sometimes we won't know until the future. But I want you to know this much. God does know. And God's working. Do you know Romans 8.28? God works all these things together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. 
God is working this together and working that together. And you know what, uh, you know what God's will is? It's exactly what you would want if you had all the facts. We don't always have the facts, do we? And God's got a purpose. God's got a plan for your life and for mine. He had a purpose for the resurrection. What was that purpose? That purpose was so that he could save. So that he could save. He was providing a way. He was making a way so that we might be born again. That we might know Jesus Christ personally as our Savior. There had to be a a sinless sacrifice. You aren't qualified. I'm not qualified. Peter wasn't qualified. John wasn't qualified. You go back into the Old Testament, they weren't qualified. God had to come in the person of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It was planned. It wasn't by accident. God loves us that much. And we have no hope without the resurrection. And if you're not saved this morning, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I tell you, God loves you. He proved that when He died on the cross. He proved it further when He rose again. There's something common with all dead people. They lived, they died, they're dead. Now, apart from going to eternity, I'm talking about our bodies. We live, we die, we're dead. In religion, all religious leaders, do your research. Confucius, he lived, he died, he's dead. Joseph Smith, he lived, he died, he's dead. All these all these religious leaders, they all have the same thing in common. They are dead. Jesus Christ is not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. Jesus Christ lived, He died, and He lives forevermore. That's a big difference. And because He lives forevermore, you too can live forevermore with Him. If you haven't, Why? Why are you putting it off? Do you know what we do? We allow pride to get in our way. We allow people to get in our way. We allow so many things to get in our way. But I'm telling you, none of that's going to matter when you stand before God one day. Because when you stand before God one day, you're going to give an answer, and it's going to be without excuse. You're not going to be able to say, well, wait a minute, God, you didn't. But hold on, God. You d- No, it's going to be without excuse. So stop hesitating. Stop waiting. Stop putting it off. Know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, 
that your sins are forgiven. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning. Hope. Hope's a good thing. Hope's a wonderful thing.